You're listening to Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's podcast. We'd love to worship with you today. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Aaron Klein. Well, the story is told of a man by the name of William Ham Jr. You're going to see his picture here on the screen. William Ham Jr. was alive 1933. He lived in Minneapolis. He was on his way home from work that day when four people jumped out of a car, grabbed him, and threw him into the back. His kidnapping was solved a few months later through the use of latent fingerprint identification. It was a forensic first where they used the oils and perspirations that came off of his hand and scientists and the FBI used a silver nitrate solution to find that the ransom note that was sent by the mob asking for $100,000 for the safe return of William Ham Jr. had these fingerprints on it. And through the use of this latent fingerprint identification, they were able to discover who it was and were able to indict the mob. Now, we use today all kinds of different things in order to discover what happens at a crime scene. So we know they still use fingerprint identification. We know that they use uh, things like FLIR, forward-looking infrared sensors, in order to discover crimes. There's things like SLIP, which is basically just shoe print identification, to things like DNA evidence. All of these different things that they try to use to discover who done it and how the crime was committed. In fact, the Association for Crime Scene Reconstruction says that a crime scene investigation is the use of science, physical evidence, and reasoning to gain knowledge of a series of events that led to a crime. Now you're asking, What in the world does this have to do with our sermon this morning? And I'm going to say actually quite a bit. Uh, Today and next week, we are going to be in a short two-week series about what does it mean for us to live our lives on mission. You and I have been called, and we've talked a lot about this in recent times, about how we have been called to be a church that gathers in order to scatter Right? We gather together, we grow together, and then we are called to go out into the world. And so in this sermon series that we're going to be talking about RSVP, right? When you receive an RSVP, right? That French for respond, see if you play, right? Respond if you please. We know that this invitation has gone out to us. And how you and I are called to do what? to respond to the invitation. When you receive an invitation, you either choose to say, yes, I will attend, or I'm sorry, I am not able to attend. And so I want us to think about this idea. God invites us. He calls us to go and live our lives on mission. And the question is for us, are we answering and responding to that call to say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. The question for us is, is there evidence that you and I are living on mission? Is there evidence that would be available in our lives that would say, we see every moment, 
every conversation, every interaction that we have with someone else to be an opportunity to live our lives on mission. And if we know that this call has gone out, this invitation has gone out, and we know that we are called to respond to it, what is the evidence that you and I are living our lives on mission? The question that we have to answer for ourselves is, what is that unique thumbprint? Right? What is the evidence that exists in our lives that we are a follower of God? How is that unique imprint of Jesus Christ on your life and then impacting the way in which we live in this world? Would people look at us and be able to know whose we are? And would they be able to know what it is that we stand for? You know, think about it this way. When someone is called in as a witness, there are two things that they give testimony to. What they have seen and what they have heard. It's what you know about something. So what you see, what you hear. If you offer an opinion about something, well, that opinion can be called into question. Even expert witnesses may give their opinions about things, but what we know is that even those expert opinions can be called into question. The only thing that really matters is the evidence of what you have seen and heard. By the way, think about this from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. What does he say? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes what we have looked at with and our hands have touched right this is physical evidence that he's talking about about the risen lord jesus this we proclaim concerning the word of life the life appeared we have seen it and testified to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father and has appeared to us we proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us, right? The evidence that we see, we are proclaiming to you, we are living our lives on mission, and our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And so this morning, maybe you're somebody who loves kind of like true crime type podcasts, uh, maybe you're someone who likes CSI in all of its hundreds of various forms. Well, we're going to do a little crime scene investigation, or maybe you might say like critical spiritual investigation to look at our hearts and to say, hey, what's the evidence that you and I are choosing to live our lives on mission? You know, if you think about it this way, and someone were to give testimony about your life would the evidence of your life point to the fact that you are living as an imitator of God? Would it point to the fact that you are living as a child of light? Or would it say that you are living in darkness? Would it say that you have the light of God shining into your life through Jesus Christ and now you're allowing that light of Christ to shine out of you to the world around you? Would you ask, are you living a life that is wise. Are you living a life that is making the most of every opportunity? Are you filled with the Spirit? And the point of today and next week is simply to say every single one of us is called to leave behind evidence. You know, if, 
if we are called to make an impact in this world, we are to put down roots that grow deeply into Jesus Christ. We are to grow up, and you and I are to live and bear fruit. And so the fruit that we are bearing, is there evidence of that in this world in which we live? How do we show that our lives have been changed? So there's a couple of things that we're going to be drawing out uh, of this passage together this morning. And so the first thing is this. We're going to talk about the physical evidence. The physical evidence. Now, this morning we're going to be together in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 8 to 20. If you've brought your Bibles and you want to follow along, I want to invite you to go ahead and open them up to Ephesians 5. We're going to be picking up at the 8th verse, but here's what I want to do. I want to start at the first verse because verses 1 to 7 talk about the evidence of a life that is not following after Christ. If you're in a place where you are struggling in your walk with God, what might be some of the evidence that is apparent in your life? Well, verses 1 to 7 point out this. If there's sexual immorality, if there's impurity, if there's greed or obscenities, if there's foolish or coarse joking, all of these things are physical evidence that our lives have not been changed by Jesus Christ. Now, I want us to understand, this does not mean that we're not going to struggle from time to time, right? We all have those moments where we falter in our walk, where we have some of these things in our lives, but the point is to say, we don't want those things in our lives. As much as we can, we are striving to run from those things and instead to run towards what we're going to be reading together this morning. You know, perhaps you heard it said this way, Imagine that someone was following you around for a week and it gave you a window into everywhere you went. Where would be the places that they would see you go? Where, where might you spend your time? You know, would, would they find you in, in church on a Sunday morning? Would they find you uh, with your family throughout the week? Or would they follow you somewhere that might make them wonder, are, are, does this person really seem to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Is he the highest priority in your life? You know, think about the same thing. If somebody were to just to sit beside you about the things that you watch, the things that you listen to, the things that you read, the things that you scroll through, would they be able to say, yeah, this seems to be a person who is following Christ, or, or would they have questions? I think you understand the point that I'm making. Are, are, we have to ask ourselves, am I living as a child of light, or am I living as someone who is in darkness? And here's what Paul does, is he provides for us the answer of what it means, instead of walking in the dark, to actually live in the light. Notice what he says in verses 8 to 10. He says, for you were once darkness. So he's saying, look, that verses 1 to 7, you used to live this way. He says, but now you are light in the Lord. And then this encouragement, he says, live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then he says, and find out what pleases the Lord. See, Paul says we are to live in such a way that we are pleasing the Lord. When Paul wrote to Timothy, what he said, you are to set an example for the believers in your speech and in your conduct 
and in your love and in your faith and in your purity. Now, why do you think Paul said something like that? It's because he understood we are to be an example to the people that are under our care. And by the way, this isn't just something for pastors or elders where we have to be mindful of the people who are under our care. All of us are interacting with others. There are all people that are under our care. And are we setting an example for them by the way in which we live? By the way, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, right? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so this is really where the rubber meets the road, right? Sometimes they use that as well in crime scene investigations. If you were to look back over the course of your life this past week, would you, would you be able to say that you have been imitating Christ in the way in which you live, in the way in which you interact with others? You know, is there, is there physical evidence of that? What, are you living a life that is a godly example? Maybe the harder way to, to look at that question is to ask yourself, you know, if, if somebody followed you around and they followed around an unbelieving neighbor, would they see any difference in the way in which you've lived? That's the type of evidence that, that Paul is encouraging us to have. Now, I want you to understand, this is not, this is not meant to condemn you uh, or to make you feel bad, but it's to say, I, I need to look at my own life, and I, I want to live differently. I want to have a life that is lived on mission. It's good for us to at least reflect, because it's in reflecting on where we are in our own spiritual lives that true change will be able to come about how when we reflect on how we live it not only can impact our own lives but also the people that we live around and so if paul encourages us to find out what pleases the lord well how do we discover that you know what's the what's the physical evidence that that shows that we choose to live differently well notice what it says in verses 10 to 14 he says have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You know, I, I want you to, to think about this. And, and before anybody gets real smart and says, you know, yes, there's things like infrared and there's night vision goggles, all right? So I understand all this. But the truth is, you cannot see what is in the dark unless there is light that is shown on it. So it's only when things are lit up where the light shines that then the darkness is able to flee, right? The light exposes what is in the dark. So imagine this. When I go into the bathroom and the lights are off and I look in the mirror, I look good. 
right? I'm tanned, I'm toned, I have a head full of hair. And then what happens? You turn on the light, and it's like Seinfeld's bad naked, right? You're like, whoa, what happened, you know? It's like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm not so fit, I'm a little flabby, I don't have hair, right? Now, the truth is, I can turn off the light and just say, that's who I really am, right? Who I think of in the dark. Or, I can turn on the light and say, ah, I see what's wrong, and I know that I need to make some changes. And that's really what we're doing. When, when we understand the things that are kept in the dark, well, ah, those things can often be things that are sinful. It's when we allow the light to shine, that we see what's wrong, that we're able to say, okay, these are some things in my life that potentially need to change. Sometimes the things that are kept in the dark may seem good, but they're actually destroying us. You know, I want you to think, what, what might be some things that are kept in the dark in your marriage that might be damaging your spouse in some way? They need to be exposed to the light. And when they're brought out into the light, it, it will change your relationship. You know, what are some of the things that might be kept in the dark when it comes to the way in which we raise our children, right? The, the patterns that we have in our lives. Yet, if we bring those patterns out into the light and expose them, they might lead to generational change for us, for our children, and maybe even for our grandchildren, right? We, we have to say, what are the things that maybe we hide in the dark, but they actually need to be exposed to the light? It's the things that are hidden in the dark that Paul says lead to death. And this is why he says, wake up. Wake up, sleeper. Expose these things. Get up from your slumber. And he says, step out into the light. And so these are the things that we talk about with physical evidence. Now, I want us to see, too, there's also what you might call the behavioral evidence. The behavioral evidence. Now, it's very closely related to what we're just talking about, but let's just go maybe a, a little bit deeper into this. You know, if you were to be at a crime scene, they might have a profiler. And what does a profiler do? They try to look at your history. They try to understand who you were and maybe what you were about in your past in order to develop something about where you might be or what you might be doing. They might try to make predictions based upon your profile. They might look and say, what are the whys or the unwise choices that this person has made? They might be able to ask, is this person, do they have a heart that is and a mind that is controlled by Christ? Would they be able to say that you are making the most of every opportunity? Look at what it says in verses 15 to 18. It says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. You know, oftentimes when you hear people talking about making the most of every opportunity, what do they say? Seize the day. Right, that's a popular one. Sometimes people might say, well, there's 86,400 seconds in every day. 
right? Try to make the most of every single one of them. Some people might say things like, well, you miss 100% of the shots that you never take, right? And so the idea is just to keep trying and keep doing more. By the way, Bernard Berenson, he's an internationally famous art critic, said shortly before he died at the age of 94, I would willingly stand at street corners, hat in hand, asking the passerby to drop their unused minutes into it. And that's all well and good. But the question is, what are you going to do with those minutes that you have been given? Henry David Thoreau, you must live in the present, launch yourself on every wave, find your eternity in each moment. Fools stand on their island of opportunities and look toward another land. There is no other land. There is no other life but this. And again, there is this sense that if you don't view life beyond and the eternity that is to come, this idea of seizing the day is all there is. There's only today. There's only the present. But the question is, do you seize the day only to do more of what you want? And to choose to use that time to fulfill your desires. See, making the most of every opportunity and seizing the day is not meant to make us workaholics so that we can get further ahead, so that we can neglect our families, so that we can not relax and enjoy time with friends, so that we can't see the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. See, if you and I are only making the most of every opportunity for the here and now, we are going to lead very self-centered lives. It's going to be about what we want. It's about acquiring as much as we can, right? It's about getting clicks and getting fame. It's about spending it on leisure time and sports activities. And I think you and I recognize, if we're honest, we probably waste a lot of time on the kinds of things that don't really matter. You know, when, when Paul says to make the most of every opportunity, uh, it's actually closer in the Greek to redeem the time. He's saying redeem the time that you have. Buy it up from loss, he's saying. He says don't, don't spend the time that you've been given redeeming it just simply to do what you want and to live your own life. He's saying no, because the days are dark, he says, you need to live as children of light. I think a healthier way to look at it, you know, Moses, we read about what he said in Psalm 90. What did Moses say? Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, redeeming the time and making the most of every opportunity is about spending time wisely and seeking to invest it for eternity. Right? It's living beyond today. We are called to live our lives with eternity in view. You know, if you and I are, are simply living in this moment and for this moment, then we are not really living for eternity how might the behavioral evidence in our lives change if we saw that we were living our lives 
on mission. How might our lives change if we realize how much when we live on mission, it also impacts the lives of the people around you, where it also may matter for eternity. You know, you think about it. When you throw a pebble into a pond and you see the ripples that come as a result, you have no idea how impacting one life may in turn impact another life and how that would ring on into eternity. This is why Paul says it is so important. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See, what we have to understand is that the way in which we see our lives shapes our lives. It influences our behavior. And so we can either be controlled by our mind and our spirit and do what we want, or we can understand what the Lord's will is and seek to live for that. And Paul says we are foolish if we live our lives in such a way where we're seeking to do things for ourselves instead of understanding what the Lord's will is and doing that. Now, the truth is, I know that this is where it gets hard, right? Because what we have to understand, it's hard to know sometimes what the Lord's will is and then to try to do it, right? To live as a person who has been saved, to live according to our new nature as opposed to our old nature. But yet we are called to understand the evidence for a changed life is by the way in which we live. Because I can tell you, until I'm blue in the face, I love Jesus. But if I simply say that I love Jesus, but I don't live like it, well then people would call into question whether what I am saying is actually the way in which I'm living, whether I actually am a follower of Jesus. The only way that which we, we show that we say these things and mean it is by the way in which we live it. By the way, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, something along the lines of, lost people don't read the Bible, but they read the people who read the Bible? And I, I think that there's so much truth to that. I love the way Patrick Murray in his book, I Surrender, says, the church's biggest problem is the misconception that we can add Christ to our lives but not subtract sin. It is a change in belief without a change in behavior. It is revival without reformation and repentance. He's exactly right. Our behavior needs to be as a people who are being wise, who are making the most of every opportunity, and are choosing to see every moment that God has given to us as an opportunity to live our lives on mission and how that ripples on into eternity. See, William Penn wrote, time is what we want the most, but what we use the worst. And how many of us could say that that is probably true? Are we making the most of every opportunity? Do we understand what the Lord's will is? And what's the physical evidence, the behavioral evidence, that shows that we belong to God? 
Notice, by the way, a third thing, and that's the fingerprint evidence, right? The fingerprint evidence. We've been talking about this, that just as a criminal leaves behind a fingerprint that indicates their presence at a crime scene, so the thumbprint, the fingerprint evidence of God in your life is the proof that you belong to him, that evidence that impacts the way in which you touch others. I'm going to do something a little different. I I want you to humor me for just a second, and I want you just to pause and look at your hands. All right? Just look at your hands for a moment, and maybe some of you, you'll you'll see the smooth skin, maybe we'll see the wrinkles, maybe we'll see our thumbprints, you know, whatever that is, just take a moment, and as you're looking at your hands, listen to what Paul says in verses 18 to 20. He says, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks to the God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as you're still looking at your hands, I want you to think about this, that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. You have the unique thumbprint of God that has been placed upon you. Those hands are different than any of the other hands that are around you. Your thumbprint is unique. Over the seven billion people that have lived on earth or are living, there is nobody that has a thumbprint like yours and nobody who will have one that is exactly like yours. And the question is, what is the imprint that you are leaving on the life of someone else. Though our time on earth is short, we have an opportunity to leave an imprint for good or for bad. And that imprint lasts long after we are gone. And if you and I understand God is sovereignly ordaining our days, he is bringing about people and conversations before us, then our greatest desire should be to impact the people that live around us with the very touch of God. Too often we live for ourselves and we live for our own pursuits. And yet God is calling us to love others, to not neglect the opportunities that he has given to us. You know, your thumbprint can either be found on the trigger of a gun that takes the life of someone else, or it can be found on the hand of someone that you have helped up, that you have given life to. Your hand and thumbprint or fingerprint can be found on the cheek of a spouse that you are abusing. Or it could be found through a loving touch on a shoulder. Your thumbprint or fingerprint can be found on the rear end of a child that you are correcting in anger. Or it can be found in a hug of someone that you are trying to lovingly correct and to see their lives 
changed. See, our, our, our fingerprints are found everywhere by the way in which we live. And the question is, what are the types of marks that we are leaving on the people that are around us? Now, what might be some of the evidence that we would hope to find our, our fingerprints in that maybe uh, the people around us would find in our lives? What about the, the fingerprint of God's word in our lives? You know, do our children see us pouring over God's word? Do they, do they see us spending time studying it? Or would they find more evidence of us kind of scrolling through our phones or, or flipping through TV? I mean, I, I, I say this as someone who knows even for myself, I'm convicted by that. You know, the, the type of evidence that I'm, I'm leaving to, to my own children. You know, would they see that my, my life is more influenced by the word than the world? You know, what about the evidence and the fingerprint of prayer? You know, do, do they see that I, I'm, I'm going and I'm praying, how I'm bringing everything before the Lord? I, I certainly know that in my own life, I am who I am because of the people that are around me that have been praying for the church that has been praying for me, for my spouse that's been praying for me. And I understand that God moves when his people pray, that there's, there's power that's in prayer. And so do I live my life in such a way where the evidence would be found that I, I am a person who's praying for my life, praying for my family, praying for my church. Like all of those things, is there that evidence that prayer is important to see this community and to see this world be changed? Maybe the question might be, what's the fingerprint of the enduring testimony? You know, over, over the years, you know, when you have someone who says to you something like, you know, you had such a profound impact in my life. Right? Maybe you're a teacher, you know, or you're a coach, you know, or, or even if, if you work at one of the biomech companies, right, there's, maybe there's something where as you were walking with someone else, maybe they approached you and, and they said, boy, you had such a profound impact in my life or what I did here. And that's, that's the enduring testimony that we're talking about, to be someone who is living our life on mission. Now, this is a series where we're encouraging us, the invitation is going out to be able to live our lives on mission. And, and as much as we're talking about this in the abstract, we also want you to give you an opportunity to actually do it. And uh, so one of the things that is upcoming, I'm going to invite Heather Faust to come forward. Uh, we have an opportunity for you to live your life on mission. Uh, and so one of the ways that we're going to be able to do that is coming up uh, this Halloween, uh, that Halloween night. And so Heather's going to kind of share with you the vision behind it and uh, what we're hoping as a congregation, how we can be light in the darkness. I think it's on now. Awesome. Man, praise God for such a, a convicting, challenging uh, sermon. And, uh, and yes, we, we are called to, to be light in this world. 
and so I, I want to start with just a, a real quick story. Um, we had some neighbors that, that came over just uh, a couple weeks ago for the first time. Um, and that the kids were a little bit hesitant, but uh, they, 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 they kind of talked about, like, this is, uh, our, uh, my mom says we can come here because it's a safe house. And I was like, well, I've, I've never met your mom before. Like, why, why did she say that? And, um, and, and they said, well, we, we went trick-or-treating at your house last year, and you were the one with the glow sticks. And, uh, and, and, and we just knew that, or she, she knew that you would be a house we could go to and be okay. Um, and, and so this is kind of what, what that idea comes from, is the past few years at my home, um, I, I just sought to uh, be, be a light on a dark night. So I would often pass out glow sticks, uh, sometimes church information, things, things of that sort. And uh, so it, it's an opportunity for us on a day when there are kids that are coming to us uh, to, to be able to be a light to them. And so the idea that, that the staff have been talking through is how can we as a church gather together um, and, and be kind of sent out in a sense. And so some of you um, may have a, a home where there are a lot of kids who, who come to your house. Um, and so you would be a great host house to, to be able to, to give out some things. Or maybe some of you, you, you live in a part of town where uh, no, one, no one comes too often, but you have a heart to, to want to want to serve, want, want to gather with, with believers and, and give your kind of a thumbprint of, of what, what the home could look like. Um, and so there's, there's kind of like two opportunities to be a host or to be a partner. Okay, so this is one of the things that, that we are going to be giving out. Um, I, I'm not normally a track person. Uh, I, I can sometimes find them to be a little pushy, but this is a beautifully done one that is done in a, a game-like version um, and just, just talks through uh, King Jesus and how he is the light of the world. Um, and with that, we will give out some information to our Wednesday night ministries and Sunday ministries, um, and we'll also give out uh, glow sticks um, and in, in the staff meeting, they were talking about, like, we need to make sure we, we give candy generously this year um, as, as we're representing our church. Um, and so maybe someone who partners with is going to bring some, some extra candy, or maybe uh, you are a good decorator and you want that host home to, to be like, oh, would, would you like to, to do something special to make it look a little bit extra light-filled this year or pass out water bottles or some other angle. So there, I'm going to be in the back with uh, a sign-up sheet uh, that you can sign up to either host or partner. And my guess is you probably have some questions. All your questions are not answered yet. So I'll, I'll be back there to talk with you about that. Um, the other thing I have back there is just a little bit different um, because as I was thinking about uh, how can we be ready for the people that God brings our way? I, I thought about our Wednesday ministries, and I was like, that, that is staffed really well. There, there are some good people that are there, and we, we are ready to, to grow. Um, but when I thought about Sunday ministries, I was like, oh, man, we're not quite ready. You know, we, we have at least, at least a dozen uh, spots that, that need to be filled. Um, uh, sometimes teachers, a lot of them are, are just being a second helping hand in a classroom. Um, and so in order to, to be ready for who God may bring our way, um, I, I'd like you to consider, like, can I, uh, can I help out once a month in connection hour or uh, in service? Um, or 
man, we need people who, who pray. Um, and I, I know this is, this is a church that prays, um, but if you are someone who, who has a heart um, for prayer or wants to grow in that, I know the, the whole bloom of it yesterday was, was all about prayer. And, uh, and so feel free to, to circle that on there if you're someone who's like, yeah, I, I would love to pray for the children's ministry. You know, I, I would want to get together occasionally and just, just pray over some of those things. So um, that, that will be there as well. So, um, yeah, meet me in the back if you, uh, or, well, I'm a little disoriented. I'll, out that way at a table, you'll see glow sticks and, and things there, so you'll be able to find me. But thank you so much. Thanks, Heather. You know, it's one of those things where, it, they're not bad events, right? We talked about, well, we should host like a trunk or treat. And uh, those, are, those are good things that our church could participate in. But we really thought, what, what would it be like for us to be light in our communities. Rather than inviting people to come to church, what if we say, we, we want to take the gospel to our community and to the homes that are around us? You know, could your house be considered a, a house of peace? And so to give you an opportunity to participate in this, to be able to take that gospel message with you. You know, I, I think of a, a number of years ago when we had just moved to Florida, and it was some of the first events at the school where we were starting to get to know families. When we moved there, we didn't know a single soul. And it was at the Halloween dance at the school. So our kids were little. There was uh, the DJ playing music. It was absolutely blaring. You could hardly hear yourself think. All the dads and parents are kind of standing around the outside. And this one gentleman that I had just started to get to know that lived a couple of streets over, he kind of knew a little bit about our story. And over the, the sound of the thumping music, he shouted, he said, I don't know if I would have the faith to move my family here like you did. And to be able to say, I moved here in order to meet people like you. And to see him come to faith and to be baptized. That's what happens when you and I choose to live our lives on mission. Beloved people, I am praying that as a congregation we would choose to say, I, I want to make the most of every opportunity. I want to choose to leave the, the very mark of Jesus that is in my life, to leave that on the lives of the people that are around me. Lord, may we answer that call. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called us out of darkness and into the light. Lord, we know that it is not always easy to live as children of light. Lord, there are many challenges that we face on a daily basis, and Lord, we recognize that there are many times when we falter or when we fail or, Lord, when we stumble, and God, we thank you that you pick us back up again. Lord, that we can always repent, that we can always return, and that, Lord, you give us those opportunities, even in that brokenness, to be light and to shine light, and to show others what it means to live as children of light. So Lord, we pray that you would indeed help us to make the most of every opportunity. Lord, because of what you have done for us, how you have given us your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, may we choose to give our lives in service to him, Lord, to the impact of others for the glory 
of Christ Jesus and his church. And we pray all of these things in his most wonderful and precious name. Amen. And amen. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, and check out our other discussions and messages. To learn more about Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's worship services, ministries, and events, visit us online at warsawpresby.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you again for joining us, and have a blessed day.